Okay, so learned for the last couple of months about the um, essence of the Jewish people, fundamentals of Judaism has many components, and we're still focusing on the essence of the Jewish people. What we've learned so far was about the um, meaning of what a Jew is and how the uh, a Jew is a part of Hashem. And in this uh, discussion, we learned about the different contributions that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, gave to every Jew. Um, we learned how uh, not only is the neshama, the soul, in essence, it's, it's a part of Hashem, but also that uh, through the circumcision that Hashem commanded Avram to have, uh, the Jewishness, the godliness of the Jew is also part of his body. And this was enhanced through Yitzchak, who was circumcised at eight days old, which we explained in the previous classes how that's something beyond Abraham. Um, because if you are uh, committing yourself to connect to Hashem because of your understanding and your feeling, so it's limited, it's artificial, it's based upon, based upon you. And although Abraham Avinu, his connection to Hashem was because of, as we learned, the, the very first thing God told Avram, the Torah records, is God's commandment to Avram to leave his land, not Avram's own achievements, his own devotion to Hashem, but the commandment of Hashem to Avram was the first thing the Torah records because that highlights that his connection to Hashem wasn't man-based, but rather was because of God. Um, and that denotes the, the uh, unique spiritual nature of a Jew, that a Jew's connection to Hashem is, is because, he, because of godliness, not because of his own understanding and feelings. But still, since externally uh, his circumcision was at, at an advanced age, it doesn't express the uh, bond that Yitzchak's connection to Hashem does, because Yitzchak is circumcised at the age of eight days, which obviously at the age of eight days there's no such thing as understanding and feeling, and it's purely and obviously a godly connection. And the Yaakov further, um, his connection to Hashem is even greater in a way than Yitzchak because he was born, but he was fathered by someone who was circumcised at the age of eight days old. Not to learn last time how Yitzchak and Avram, although they were completely Jewish, yet they were able to father someone who wasn't Jewish. While, while Yaakov not only is he Jewish, but all of his children are, are holy and tzaddikim. And this is because the godly soul of Yaakov was one with his, with his body in a way that surpassed Avram and Yitzchak. And that's why Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are all called our forefathers. They all contribute uniquely to our holiness, to our Jewishness, to our godliness. So that our soul is is our very identity. But beyond the holiness and godliness that Avraham and Yaakov give to every Jew, there's also a unique quality that Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov uh, give to us respectively. Each of them has a unique way of serving Hashem. Avraham's service of Hashem was associated with love and kindness. Yitzhak's service of Hashem was associated with fear and awe and reverence. And Yaakov is called the attribute of truth. 
the Zohar differentiates between Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Yaakov, Yaakov Mulgav, and uh, Yaakov Milbar, and Moshe Mulgav, that within the truth itself there's different levels, but in general, Yaakov's attribute is Teferis beauty, which is connected to a composition of, of the attribute of Avram and the attribute of Yitzchak. Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov contains in him both Ava, both love, and reverence, both, uh, both chesed and gvura. And that's why his attribute is called beauty, because beauty is created by color. So because Yaakov has both attributes within him, that's why he's called Teferis, and that's why he is also called the attribute of truth, as we will as we'll get to Mitzvah. So the stories, the Torah tells us about Av, Mitzvah, and Yaakov, although they all happen physically, but as the Shalah says, the, Torah, the Shalah says, the real subject matter of the Torah is in the spiritual realms, and it merely hints to the physical realms. The physical expression of Torah is not the real subject matter of Torah. The real subject matter of Torah is in spiritual realms. The Torah talks about the spiritual. It merely alludes to the physical reality that emerges from the spiritual, uh, spiritual story. So, for example, uh, Avram, there are many examples throughout the Torah. Every story of our forefathers is about their spiritual journey. Um, for example, it says about Avram traveling to the south, and Hasidus says that uh, because the sun rises in the east, so the top of the compass is the east, and that's the highest sira, the sira of Chachma. And if you're traveling, um, if you're facing east, so the south is on your right, and right in general is associated with the attribute of kindness. So and therefore the south, Avram traveling to the south, means Avram was ascending higher and higher in his love of Hashem, until as the altar of rights, he became a chariot, a, um, a, uh, he embodied love and kindness in his, in his, in his physical body. He was, a, he was a chariot to God's love. He expressed God's love in this world. So, all, all the stories we read in the Torah about Yitzchak digging wells and Yaakov uh, at, at his father-in-law's house with the peeling of the sticks, all of this is about, really, their spiritual service to Hashem. But uh, we're not going to go through everything, but let's focus instead on um, the, the three temples. Three temples correspond to Av, Mitzvah, and Yaakov. Let's see how the three temples um, express their unique spirituality. Uh, the first temple, Avram, the second temple, Yitzchak, and the third temple, Yaakov. And God willing, in the future, Shurim will see about the, learn about the contribution of the... Um, of the giving of the Torah, and how um, now the giving of the Torah also uh, made a new dimension in our bond with Hashem. But let's focus now on the on the three temples. It says in the Gemara that the second temple was greater than the first temple in its size and its uh, in its its um, its size and its amount of time that it endured, the amount of time that it lived, that, that, that existed. The first temple was 30 amas high, and the second temple was 100 amas high. But obviously, if we're talking about the temple, the Beis Hamikdash, we're not just talking about space and, and time. As in the language of the Gemara is, greater is the glory of the second Beis Hamikdash 
it has a greater glory than the first base of Mikdash. So it's not just that it that it, li- that it that it lasted longer or that it was a higher, it was taller. Rather, it's the reason it was taller and the reason it lasted longer is because that expresses its unique spiritual characteristic. So we need to understand what exactly is the unique characteristic of the second temple. The main thing is the physical, though. The main thing is the well, the greatness of it, the, the size of it, it means that there was more people able to physically be there. But it's a base amigdash, it's a holy place. What's, what's its essence about? It's about holiness, it's about Kedusha. The physical realms, to serve people in physicality. So, so the specific. I mean, obviously, it has to be. This, you know. so, so, on the other hand, if you look in the Gemara, Gemara Yuma and Lakhafalaf, it says. The first base of Mikdash was greater than the second base of Mikdash. It says the second base of Mikdash was missing five things. They didn't have the fire coming from heaven. They didn't have the ark. They didn't have the Urm Betumim. They didn't have Ruch HaKadosh. So, um, so the first base of Mikdash, it seems, is a lot holier than the second base of Mikdash. So why does the Gemara say that the glory, which the glory seems to be the, 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 the main element of the base of Mikdash, is, is for sure its holiness, it's not, we're not into the real estate of it. So, so why are we saying the second is greater? So, to understand this, let's, let, let's look at the different attributes of Avram and Yitzchak and how this is mirrored in these two temples. The service of Avram Avinu, as we say in the, in the prayer for um, uh, rain, remember our father who was drawn after you like water. The connection between Avram Avinu and Hashem is compared to water. Yitzchak, on the other hand, his service of Hashem with fear and reverence is compared to fire. The difference between fire and water is that water descends from above to below. Water is affected by um, gravity and goes downwards. And Yitzchak, his nature is fire. His service of Hashem is about ascending upwards. The Chassidus gives an analogy to explain these two different kinds of uh, connections to Hashem, with water, with fire. Example Chassidus gives is of a teacher and a student. You could have a teacher who um, gives a student a, a brilliant explanations in the Talmud. He tells, teaches him his book pulim. The teacher is gifted. He's the Ragashava going. The teacher is the Ragashava. And he teaches the student these insights that only the Ragashava could say. And the student is able to retain this information. He's able to remember what the Ragashava said. And he's able to give over to others the teachings of the Ragashava going. You can imagine the God, this, this student is, is giving over the brilliant teachings of the Raghachav. On the other hand, the Raghachav doesn't teach him how to study. He just teaches him the information that he discovered in his studies. He doesn't teach him the method of, of, of Torah learning. And really, it would be impossible to teach a regular student the method of learning the Raghachav. The Raghachav has the entire Torah at his fingertips. Just uh, one one example that that does just bring to me brings out the who the Ragachavar is in this Victoria portion. Um, the Ragachavar says that the argument in the Talmud about Ishor Muad about whether an ox is how how responsible is the owner for the damages that his ox um, does. So the Gemara says it depends. It, it, the Torah says that if the, if the ox scores uh, three times. Then you're uh, you're responsible for a full hundred uh, percent of the damages, but until then, that point, you're only responsible for um, for half of the damages. So, uh, so the Gemara brings a discussion about 
uh, whether you're liable after three times or four times, and the Rogachov explains that the argument about the Chazaka and about Sharmud is about the definition of the four elements in creation. Are there four elements that created uh, in creation, or is the element of water include the element of earth? Or do we count all four elements as four elements, fire, water, wind, and earth? And he somehow sees in this argument between the between the definition of the ox scoring three times or four times, how this is connected to the um, the uh, um, the four elements in creation. So the student of the Ragachavar, who is able to retain information, but is not able to invent Torah insights like the Ragachavar, he, he, he has a lot of information. But then there's another kind of teacher who doesn't just give the student um, insights that he has, he teaches the student how to learn. He teaches the student... He teaches a student how to approach a, the, the Talmud. So, in the student's insights, as a result of this teacher's work, um, he is able to have his own insights. He has changed. The first student hasn't hasn't developed any connection to the Talmud, hasn't developed his own method of learning. He's just hearing what Raghachavar is saying. Once Raghachavar stops teaching, he has nothing to contribute of his own. He, can't, he doesn't know how to approach the Gemara. The second student, while his insights are his own, but compare them to the first student's insights, they're, they're, they're negligible. They're not considered insights at all compared to the insights of the Ragachav. So if you're talking about um, the level of the idea, the level of the idea is certainly higher in the first student's ideas. His ideas are a lot greater. If you're talking about the level of the student, the student uh, who is now who's, who's able to approach the Gemara on his own, although, albeit um, not as great insights as, as the Raghachavar, as his teacher, but still, whatever he's able to do, it's his own. He's able to, he's able to learn the Talmud himself. As the saying goes, teach a man, give a man a piece of fish, he has fish for a day, teach a man a fish, he has fish for life. Whatever he has, he's able to, to, to continue on and to develop Torah insights on his own. So this is the difference between water and fire. Water descends from above to below, and fire descends upwards. Water is about how something is given to you from heaven that's not your own and doesn't necessarily affect you at all. Fire, on the other hand, the sense from below to above, fire represents how there's a change, that something's happening here and there's something in this world that's ascending, going upwards towards, towards, towards uh, 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 spirituality. Let's, let's look at the, the, the Mishnah Pergiavas comparing um, Rebbe Lezeb and Arach and Rebbe Lezeb and Horkness. The Gemara says like this: If you were to weigh all of the Torah scholars on a scale, all the Chachmei Yisrael on a scale, and you would weigh them against the Lezer and Hurkanus, Lezer and Hurkanus, he would outweigh them all. He would be greater than all the Torah scholars. Period. However, if you took the same Reb Lezer and Hurkanus and all the Torah scholars together, and you would weigh them against Reb Lezer and Arach. Blazim and Arach would outweigh them all. He is greater than all of them together, including the Blazim and Hurkanus. So the commentaries on the Mishnah say that the first statement of the Mishnah was including the Blazim and Arach. In other words, Blazim and Arach and all of the sages of Israel are also outweighed by Blazim and Hurkanus. Blazim and Hurkanus outweighs all the sages of Israel, including Blazim and Arach. And Blazim and Arach outweighs all the sages of Israel, including Blazim and Hurkas. How could they both be true? So it depends on what you're, it depends on what you're talking about. The, the unique quality of Blazim and Hurkas is that he was called, the Gemara says, He was somebody who was like a cistern that did not lose a drop of water. He was able to retain all the insights of Torah of his teachers. 
So his virtue is water. His virtue is he's receiving the amazing insights of the teachers before him. He has a lot more insight in Torah that he could share than anybody else because he's received from the, from the teachers of before. On the other hand, what's new quality, Blazim and Arach, his, Torah, his, his achievement was, it was my name is Gaber. He was able to invent his own Torah insights. So you're talking about the person, Blazim and Arach is greater. He has a greater ability to, to, to understand Torah. You're talking about the ideas of Torah that were shared, Blazim and Hurkanis is greater. He has a lot greater insights because he is not just sharing his own, he's sharing the insights of his teachers. So in a similar way, oh, in a similar way, the, um, the first base of Migdash, the first base of Migdash was a revelation of godliness which was much higher than the second base of Migdash. And that's why there was five things the first base of Migdash had, the second didn't. It had the one of the the fire coming from heaven, it had the Arun, it had the Ruch HaKedosh. There was a revelation of godliness that far surpassed whatever happened in the second base of Migdash. On the other hand, all this revelation, all of this holiness that, that the first base Mikdash had was all because Hashem was revealing Himself. It wasn't about the world being elevated. And since it wasn't about the world being elevated, so factually, physically, the first base Mikdash didn't last as long as the second base Mikdash. And it also wasn't as big as the second base Mikdash. These physical properties of the second base Mikdash, that it that it lasted longer and that it was physically bigger, they, they expressed how the second base of Mikdash was, was the Jewish people. Oh, Shabbat The second base of Mikdash. Mikdash also had more trouble. The Zohar was much. There was more revelation, but there was more challenges. Oh, that's true. Um, I, think, I think I shared you, shared you the story with you about uh, Rechaim Gudnik on Lashon. Rechaim Gudnik, he was once. Uh, uh, speaking to the Rebbe about, um, he, he came from a, uh, he didn't come from a Chabad background, he studied in Tells, and he was sharing with the Rebbe about different uh, um, complaints he heard from his friends about the Rebbe's film campaign, other mitzvah campaigns. And he was uh, wondering why there's such an opposition to the Rebbe's campaigns. So, Rebbe um, spoke to him about the first base in the second base in English. They would say the first base of Mingdash, although it was not holier than the second base of Mingdash, yet the sins that were done in the first base of Mingdash were a lot greater than the sins done in the second base of Mingdash. The first base of Mingdash, the Gemara says, they were guilty of all the three cardinal sins of idolatry, adultery, and murder. In the second base of Mingdash, there was a, a subtle sin of uh, senseless hatred. So, Rebbe said that the reason why the first base of Mingdash had more challenges is because of two things. The reason number one is because Hashem made the world in a way that Zel Umazeh, that Kedusha and Klippa mirror each other. So wherever there's more holiness is also going to be, Hashem makes the world, makes it fair, so we have free choice. So if there's more holiness in the world, there's also going to be more of the opposite. And also there was said that when Klippa, when the evil force of, of Yitzhahara, the Satan, the Klippa Sitcha when it sees that it's going to be destroyed, it uses every dirty trick in the book. So because the... Uh, the, the, the first temple had more revelation because of that that's why there was more of a, there was more of a, a, a uh, attraction to the opposite the second base of Mikdash because it didn't have such revelation it wasn't as great of a Yetzirah it wasn't as forceful maybe could use the word passive aggressive the second Yetzirah 
Uh, second mate's mix with, with a senseless hatred, and the first one is more openly aggressive. I don't know. But either way, the Derbe said to him that the film campaign, the mezuzah campaign, all these campaigns, they bring to the world such an incredible godly revelation that is unprecedented. And because of this, the force of clip, the force of the opposite of holiness, uses every dirty trick of the book to, uh, to stop it. And that's why there says there are religious Jews who are, who are coming out against the film campaign. Against how does it make sense? If you're religious, you put on film. You, you have mezuzah. You like Shabbos candles. And here is someone's coming, and he's helping another Jew who doesn't know about it, and helping them put on the film. Why would anyone be against it? It's ridiculous. But the reason why there's such an opposition is because there's such a revelation of Galilee. He, he also shared with the Rebbe that uh, um, it, it, one of the reasons that his friends uh, are saying that, that this is wrong is because um, uh, it's, it's, it's something that um, if you're going to, to do outreach, it could... It could bring you down. Your 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 connection to the people around you could bring you down. Sterbus said that the Torah says about the frogs that when the frogs were uh, enveloping Egypt, they weren't everywhere. They were in the courtyards, they were in the palaces, and they were in the ovens. But when, when the Torah says that the frogs died, it says the frogs died everywhere in the palaces and the courtyards, but it doesn't say the frogs in the ovens died. The reason it doesn't say the frogs in the ovens died is because the frogs in the ovens didn't die. Why didn't the frogs that were in the ovens um, preserved? Why they remain alive? So it says that frogs are naturally cold-blooded, and their jumping into the ovens is something which is completely against their nature, not something that, 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 that they can naturally do. And therefore, in order for them to, um, to have that kind of... Uh, uh, in order for them to do this, they, they have to have sacrifice. And because they had sacrifice, they're protected. In a similar way, the Rebbe said that when I send a shliach, when I send someone to share Judaism, that person is going to cool off the ovens of Egypt. He's going into the world where there's a lot of heat and the opposite of holiness, the ovens of Egypt. And that, the ovens of Egypt will not be able to hurt him. On the contrary, the Rebbe said it will not hurt him, not in this world, not in the next world. Anyway, so... so uh, Similar, another occasion that we spoke about um, how the uh, similar concept, how the uh, Gentile sages challenged uh, Rabbi Shuma Hananya, they asked him kinds of questions about the Torah, and they asked him, Who should we speak to once you die? And he told them, Once I die, you won't have such good questions. Why won't they have such good questions? Because again, Klippa, the opposite of only what challenges Torah, what the darkness in the world is made to fit the, the light of the light that Hashem gives to the world. So the first phase of English did have more of opposition. However, if we're talking about the revelation of godliness, the first phase of English had a great revelation. It's like Avram, it's like water. It's revelation from above to below. Then the Jewish people did Shuba after the sins of the exile, the seven years of exile Babylonia, and they rebuilt the second temple. They're doing Shuba and rebuilding the second temple represents an elevation from below to above, like fire where their connection to Galilee is because of their purity and their attachment to Asha. So on the one hand, you can't compare the revelation of the first to the second temple. The first temple is much greater. On the other hand, the advantage of the second temple is that it elevates the world itself. That's the advantage of Yitzchak. That's the meaning of, which as we'll see, God willing, next, next class is about how this is mirrored, the life of our life of Yitzchak. But in short, Yitzchak is about elevation from below to above, Yitzhak was one who digs the wells 
and discovers and reveals the godliness within creation. It's about not about uh, fi- not about water coming from above to below, but about fire, about revealing what's there in the world and elevating the world. And that's why the second base of Mikdash was physically bigger and it lasted longer. I mean, well, what's the point of it phys- being physically bigger or lasting longer? Just like we said before about the students, that when the student is taught by a teacher and the teacher just gives him his information, so the student is left without any ability to approach the Gemara, but he has these amazing ideas. That's like the first example. There's a huge revelation, but doesn't affect the student, doesn't affect the world. The, the world is just the way it was before. The second student, who is taught by his teacher how to approach Gemara, yes, he cannot invent the teachings of the Raghachavar. He is, he is he's not in that realm. However, whatever he invents in the Torah is his own insight. So to the second temple, it was about the world being elevated. And that's why the second temple lasted longer and it was bigger. In time and space, that represents how the second temple was about the world being elevated um, towards spirituality. It was, wasn't about the, the Hashem superimposing revelation upon the world. It was about the world being elevated to, to Kedusha. Mr. Hashem, uh, God willing, next time we'll learn about uh, Yaakov and about what the, um, the unique contribution the giving of the Torah has on the Jewish people. But in short, we learn today is how the first and second temple correspond to Avram and Yitzchak. Avram is the attribute of water, Yitzchak is the attribute of fire. And that's why the first temple was about revelation, a high revelation. And the second temple was compared to fire, about, not, about a, not a high revelation, but the world being, being more of a vessel for holiness. That's why it lasted longer and it was physically bigger. Any questions or comments? No. I figured out why I uh, didn't meet you yesterday, and my alarm went off at 3.45 in the morning.